This week's episode of Probably Science is brought to you by Western Razor, a heavy-duty all-metal safety razor that'll last years. There's no club to join, there are no subscription fees, there's no cheap plastic crap to throw away, just a well-built tool that's a simple solution to the simple problem of shaving. Save your face and save the planet with Western Razor. Visit westernrazor.com and use the code SCIENCE at checkout for $5 off your order. Probably Science. Welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. That's Matt Kirshen over there, I think. That is Matt Kirshen. How are things? Pretty good, Andy. I'm back in LA. Yeah, yeah. You you had some adventures to I've the been, Great White North. That's not I what was, it's called. Yeah, um, yeah. I was in uh, Mill Valley, uh, just uh, next to uh, San Francisco. And then before that, I was in Alaska as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's almost more notable than going to San Francisco area. Yeah, you know. Sure. Uh, they were both fun. Thank you. I met a few Probably Science listeners who came out to the shows. Oh, cool. Including listener Matthew Burgoon, who is also a local comic. We're open for a couple of them. Oh. So, hey, Matthew. Thanks for being funny on the shows and for listening to us. Uh, what's what's the hack? Uh, not that he would have been doing hacky jokes, but like, what is what is Alaska hack? Like, what's a cliche thing to talk about for an Alaska comic? I don't know, and I hope I wasn't the one. You know, actually, you, you've got the thing of going, when you go to somewhere for the first time, I'd never been to Alaska before. Um, so the local jokes... There's a little bit of you where you go, like, I hope I'm not... Ev-. You know, like, some clubs where they go, like, hey, don't do a bit about the weird curtains, because everyone does that? Uh, I hope I wasn't that person. Like, I, I ended up with a couple of local bits, and they seemed to go down well, but I hope the people at the back of the room were like, oh, Christ, someone else is t- doing a bit about the number of animals in the walls. And... Is that, so, uh, did you have any references to uh, moose nuggets? What it? What are, what are moose nuggets? Aren't those? Um, don't they like shellac moose turds and sell them as jewelry or something? Isn't that a thing that happens? I did not know that. Jesse, you've been to Alaska, right? No. Oh, hey Jesse Case. Hey buddy, welcome home. Thank you. Uh, welcome back to the states. You're going to Alaska soon, then? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm in Alaska this fall. Uh, I haven't heard of the moose nuggets, but you know, I don't know much about. I know moose moose tracks. That's a type of candy, right? Or ice cream, maybe? Ice cream. Uh, Rocky Road, uh, also an ice cream. But Rocky was a moose. And okay. Rocky and Bullwinkle. We know uh, Bullwinkle was a moose. Bullwinkle, who was Rocky? <laughs> the squirrel or chipmunk, or whatever. Who's he Rocky was. Raccoon then? Just a Beatles He's song. A raccoon. Yeah. No, I always thought Rocky Raccoon. Okay. I always just imagined the cartoon character when I would hear the song off the White Album. No way. Really? I mean, it's a cowboy. But what? I just thought it was like the oh, origin of that. I mean, there's definitely no raccoon in, in the whole proceedings there, but also Rocky, I'm pretty sure, is... <laughs> We're going to intro our guests in a yeah, second. I'm it. sorry we forgot to tell you we, we do like two minutes of banter. Sorry, we should have told one you. Is, okay, the flying squirrel is named... I know there's Rocky, Rocky and Bullwinkle, right? There's Rocky the squirrel. Flying squirrel is Rocky. The moose is Bullwinkle. Okay. But then there's Rocky Raccoon. Which is just a made-up character in a, in a song title, in a song. You I take understand. that back. <laughs> no, I, under, I understand that. It's not a reference to any other pop culture raccoons, I don't think. Or Rockies. Or Rockies, yeah. It's not a boxer, nor is it... I'd like to think the Beatles were just watching like, the TV show Rocky Raccoon and then just faithfully transcribed everything that they saw. Wait a second, hold on a second. Is there a TV... No. Okay, 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 okay. okay. For a second I was just like... Am well, that's I how they crazy? wrote Benefit for Mr. Kite, or the Benefit of Mr. Kite. Yeah, they were watching like, Mr. Kite well, it was, Yeah, there was a Mr. Kite benefit and they just... Right. Well, no, there was. It was a. It was just a circus flyer for the benefit of Mr. Kite. There will be a show tonight. It like oh. li- they literally just put together. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Why the weird being for the construct? 
I, I mean, you have to take some poetic license to make the rhyming work, but... but no, but they uh, never say being in the song. It's just the title is being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Oh, good call. Good call. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can see the... F- I've seen the flyer. It's like in the Smithsonian or something. I don't know where I've seen it. Ah, um, that, that makes more sense because it's a l- almost too random even for their psychedelic phase. Um, hey, speaking of psychedelic phase... Yes. Um, there it is. Uh, we have a guest. Hey. 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 Um, Bullwinkle, Rocky and Bullwinkle was my favorite cartoon growing up. No way. Bullwinkle. I watched Bullwinkle every Saturday morning. I woke up early for that. And speaking of Alaska, you and I are Eskimo brothers. Just found out. That's right. <laughs> High five. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ryan Singer. That's Ryan Singer. Ryan Singer. Ryan Singer. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, not because we're left-handed. Eskimo brothers. No, we're both left-handed. Oh, okay. I no, but Esk- also the other thing. Definition of that. Also okay. the other thing, right. which is if I'm not, I'm trying to remember what an Eskimo is. If you've had sex with the same person, we both had sex with the same person. We did. Yeah, and I just found that out like a week ago, and I was like, "That's an, like it didn't bum me out." I was like, "Ryan's a great guy." You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, it must have been a long time ago because I've yeah, been quite yeah. lonely. Oh, yeah, no, it was a while ago. It we'll was, have to. I'm very curious. Eskimo brothers is it was oh, each yeah. other when we fuck each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were Eskimo in the room. Brother. Don't you remember? <laughs> It was like a threesome, but like the girl yeah. wasn't there. It was it was yeah, me yeah, and Ryan. Yeah. Ryan and I had sex. What's the origin of that phrase? Have no idea. It's got to be racist. racist. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure. Again, having come from the, it has to be an incest joke, right? I think also you're not meant to be saying Eskimo anymore. No, 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 no. no. As lo- unless it's followed by the word. None brothers. of it. None of it's okay. <laughs> oh, I did not. <laughs> I did not know you're not supposed to say Eskimo anymore. You're not supposed. Well, to. I, unless I think there is a specific Eskimo tribe, isn't? Uh, am I? Am I? Fucking oh, it's this a, one so up? it's like calling all Native Americans. Navajos what? like if you were to do that is that what you're saying yeah I th- like Eskimo is a specific tribe uh, first of all name another type of Native American and secondly <laughs> <laughs> no um, I didn't know that I thought all Inuits were Eskimos and Eskimo was no longer the preferred oh hang on wait a second is it Inuit as a specific tribe okay I'm gonna look this up because we're gonna fuck this one up okay uh, Eskimo what's important are indigenous people right? Are, are the indigenous peoples who have traditionally inhabited the northern circumpolar region from eastern Siberia across Alaska, Canada, and Greenland. Uh, the two main peoples known as Eskimo are Inuit of Canada and uh, northern Alaska and Greenland and Yupik of Alaska and eastern Siberia. Oh, yep. So what are we, so, we okay, going to pick? So there so we go. So Eskimo is isn't a specific sometime... people. Inuit is a specific <laughs> tribe. And Eskimo is a western... Uh, no, Eskimo is all of it. Eskimo Eskimo is the U-Pick, which I will just pick whatever U-pick. we want to call it. Yeah. Eskimo is the U-Pick and Inuit together. Those are Eskimos. Yeah, there it we go. says it's not, and it's the name not is considered fundamentally offensive in its linguistic origins, but it's sometimes considered offensive. So alternate terms, including Inuit slash U-Pick, have been proposed, but none have come into widespread acceptance. Okay. Well, then that's good to know. Although I don't think I've ever... I don't Use think that word even if you'd said Inuit Yupik brothers, it would be just as offensive, though, I think. Right. Sure. Sure. Because it's got to be like an incest joke, it right? About be. how small the towns are or something. Like, like I, don't oh, know I was how thinking how to going stay warm, stay joke. warm. You just all cuddle and then you end up having sex with each other. Yeah. If any of you guys out there, any of our listeners know the origin of Eskimo brothers, meaning two men that have slept with the same woman, please write us in. That's probably science at gmail dot com and put in the subject line. I'm a douche. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, seriously, what's the etymology of that? I'm looking up Eskimo Brother on Urban Dictionary, which is the definitive place for this sort of yeah, douchebaggery. Um, oh, God. Okay, well, they get more explicit. Really? <laughs> a male who has had sex with, comma, and ejaculated inside of the same woman as a good friend. Oh, I don't think. Oh, then oh. I don't know if we're. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if we're Eskimo Brothers then. Oh. 
Because <laughs> I was a, I was a little, I was a little more glacial. Um, guys, got a good show so you today. Didn't, you didn't, you didn't go Inuit. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was. Uh, I wanted to. I imagined I did, but it was all an illusion. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> bearing in mind that um, <laughs> I'm straight. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and that's about it. That's about all that's, we can get out I, of there. That's all I've got. Yep. Um, hey, uh, there's no use. Uh, you, you can't. You, Denali. Uh, something about. Okay, I'm gonna edit all that out. It's early on a Sunday. <sighs> it is. Ryan Singer's here. Ryan um, Singer. Glad to be here. Glad thanks to be for here. coming, thanks. man. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. Sorry, over. I didn't mean to sidetrack us right away. Uh, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Cool. I feel good. I was reading a bunch of ways to uh, persuade people on the internet before I came over. Oh, he's touching your uh, shoulders. He's talking to you. He's touching you. <laughs> Do you feel like you want to say yes? Start him nodding. Get him nodding. Get well, him nodding. What is... Uh, it was just... I, I, what are you talking about? Well, there's these... There was this article about how to be aware when people are trying to persuade you or pull your strings like a puppet. And like one of them is like, you know, magicians and illusionists, they do this tap where they very non-discreetly touch you. Well, and that's that, to distract you from them doing shit. And but it's other... also, it also builds trust. Okay, but you, I d- don't bring magicians don't, into it. They're doing too much other well, shit. But this, all, this is also, I've read, <laughs> I've read the game. I've read the game. I'm not a douche, but I, you know, I want to I see what, what that's about so I know what, when people refer to it, what is in it. Yeah, it's like I watch pornography just to see what, the, what all the fusses are at. Yeah, <laughs> Re- research. <laughs> yeah, like, research. Why are so many men into this? Right. right. right, right. But I, again, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, Matt and I are moral people. Nine months after watching a hardcore porno, I will watch a live birth video. <laughs> That's good. I will. I have to. It's very important to stay moral. It's for procreation. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was. I was. Watch uh, a wedding video first. I was well. a preemie baby, <laughs> so I would go seven months. Okay. And I would watch a. I would watch a C-section video. Okay. Okay. <laughs> how much did you weigh? Oh gosh, I don't remember how much I weighed. You I don't just, remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember. I just remember I thinking like I looked five, really good in that blanket. Uh, I was put on a special diet to gain weight and then put it in an incubator like the baby like microwave. A f- fatter woman's breast milk. Like <laughs> yeah. Bigger titties. How do you get put on a special, like a special diet formula diet? You know, they consult those people who help actors gain weight for roles. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 like as an infant. How do you get put the raging bull baby? Yeah. So, and then I gained so much weight that they had to put me on a diet to lose weight. So I've I, been like, so uh, I've been yo-yoing early. since <laughs> I've been yo-yoing since I was a baby. Okay, uh, my birthday is tomorrow, April twentieth. Happy birthday! Thanks, buddy. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the big, the big. Be- oh, also today is twenty years since Oklahoma City. How about that shit? Today is uh, exactly twenty years. Yeah, ninety-five. Yeah, that's a really fascinating uh, memorial that they've they've built in downtown Oklahoma City. If you've ever seen it, oh, I thought you were going to talk about a, a shitty state. Oh no, shitty no, surrounding. No, no Oklahoma City is actually a pretty cool city. No, I know. The, uh, but, well, I'm, I'm a fan of it because they have a Johnny Bench statue down sure. there. And I'm, who, and what statue? Johnny Bench is an all-star Hall of Fame uh, baseball catcher. I'm a big baseball fan, so. Okay. But uh, the memorial there no, is pretty right. interesting. They just have empty chairs yeah. of all the people that died in the bombing, uh, just like in this lawn. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, it's a very fascinating memorial. Um, and uh, the this, this segue being uh, my B-Day tomorrow... I'm going to make this about me. I'm going to make a, <laughs> make a terrible act of American terrorism about me. Um, I was born um, one day early. And I was 12 pounds. 
What? 12 fucking wow. pounds. So. I had no idea. That's a hefty it's, size. Yeah. It's, what I think about you. That's a huge baby. I was like, uh, I was like two feet long. I was like a huge fucking baby. It's amazing your mom even wants to have anything to do with you now. It is amazing. I mean, I had to have my my dad has hated me ever since. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, he just looks at me and shakes his head. Um, but the thing is, so when I was born, there were all these nursing students that were doing their, you know, time doing their clinicals in the in the maternity ward. So since I was the biggest and easiest to handle, I was used for them to like practice weighing and practice giving shots. So I was just immediately handed off to some classroom. And like, like within six hours of being born, I was just used to repeatedly like, like, how do you weigh him? How do you coddle him? You know what I mean? Like these, these, uh, new nurses. Do you find that you need, um, physical attention from like multiple partners in your later life? No, here's the thing. I was hugged too much as a child. Well, I'm not into it. Don't fucking touch me. Really? That's a thing. I'm not into it. I'm not a hugger. You like being dismissed. You like I don't when like people being dismissed, dismissed of you? but but like physical you're... affection. Hmm, How did it make you feel when I touched sentence. you earlier? When I was like, that was fine, that but was fine. I was like prepped for it. You know what I mean? I was I was prepped, but yeah, I don't like being I don't like being touched a lot. Sometimes if someone just you don't know them or whatever, and they just touch your shoulder. Yeah. What about a stranger's hug? I'm not into it. And did it's you, not, did, what did about it, when so someone like licks you on the subway? Not just now, then when he touched your shoulder, did it build trust or did it make you dis, did it make you suspicious of him? Well, no, I mean we were discussing. Uh, he was reading some article, so I knew he was doing, running a bit, right? Okay. You know, um, but no, I think heavy touchers weird me out. I mean, that's on me. That's not on them. It's my own shit, you know. Um, but that's always weirded me out. I think. Hmm. Yeah, get your hands out. What are you doing? You know. See, doing? I'm the opposite. I like I like uh, contact. Sure. Uh, I like know, it. When, maybe too much. I think I've creeped people out sometimes because they're like, why is this dude, why is this person hugging me? Mm, I just do it with my words. And, and you try to do it left to left. You try to do that heart to heart. This is some real hippie shit. No, I know. It's Shailene Woodley stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you go heart to heart because everybody is just, it seems everybody's default is to the right. Interesting. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so you, you have to, to make left? A, you have to make a con because that's when you're heart to heart hugging allegedly. And you got to hold a hug for... I think it's seven seconds, but if you hold it up to 12, then you feel a real bond with someone, I think it's been proven. Like it actually releases more oxytocin. Or yeah. And what like, about, so like, if you hold that, you got to hold that hug. At the sort of eight second mark, you just whisper in their ear, forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start doing that, actually. That <laughs> now, where did you get this information? Forever. That the the hugging heart to heart? Uh, well, the heart to heart thing seconds. was, um, I've been over the years... Not yelled at, but uh, <laughs> for hugging incorrectly with like some real, you know, hippie friends of mine. Sure. Um, I, the heart to heart thing is just a, it's just a thing. I don't think there's. What about the 12 Hippies really can get riled when you don't do peace the right way. They can. Yeah. I mean, it, it is amazing how quickly <laughs> like, a peaceful act of hello can turn to them being mad at you. <laughs> yeah. What the, what are you doing? You know, it's like, but I think the heart to heart thing, I don't stun know, I haven't him? read anything about it, but if I had to guess and speculate, like completely uneducated, I would think that you don't want to go heart to heart probably initially because you're trying to protect yourself from being vulnerable there because your heart is your most vulnerable, one of the most vulnerable spots. And so like if you're in close encounters with someone, they can't just stab you in the heart. So you're trying to, but if you come in like that, they can just this all sounds made up. That's like when you see people like, you know, covering when they're talking to you and they're covering their neck. Oh. That is a sign of uh I don't want to say weakness, but it's not a it's not a power pose. 
Right. Well, it's yeah, not I've it's heard, not a confident pose. Sure. I've, I've heard the opposite, where like if someone is presenting their neck to you, it's a sign of trust, sort of like mm -hmm. in flirtatious environments. I go in carotid artery first. Mm. Is where you that's how, that's how I present myself okay, to people. Yeah. Very yeah. No, it is very and trustworthy. Bulls, like, a like artery and bulls. They're my yep. two like <laughs> the most thrust vulnerable. My <laughs> yeah. Wait, what was the thing you were reading about how to gain trust though? What else did you learn besides the touching? Oh, uh, you like, you you ask them. Um, you let them kind of you ask like a a question that's like not open ended, but it's like now how do you feel that would make like do you feel like this would gain trust as opposed to telling someone something yeah. you let them answer the question themselves and they feel like they made the choice right 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 and yeah. then you can talk quickly too because then it kind of confuses people when you're talking quickly and you ask them a question they feel rushed they feel like they have to make an answer real quick and so then after they come up with the answer then they feel relaxed because oh, okay i answered it right so you're sort of setting the tempo you set the tempo yeah got it so they feel like they have the illusion of control so you just did it just now so you set the tempo that's like and you an nodded, open... so you had to say yes to it. Yeah, and, then... and I was like, yeah, that's right. Well, my natural state is just influencing others, and, you know, it's very powerful. <laughs> he's a tastemaker. Yeah, he's, I've he's never a, really... He's a maven? He's a maven, uh, which, yeah. Which, yeah. Thing, which Malcolm Gladwell uh, We did that experiment as well where people, before going into interviews, I stood in one of two poses. One of them was like a... I'll do that before I go on pose. stage sometime. You stand in like a, a the power pose? Power pose with your hands on your head, like Superman almost. To raise your, your testosterone and lower your cortisol? <laughs> What? what? So are we you doing? sort of stand up, or like pushing your chest out with your hands on your hip. Hello. Yeah. And you're. And you're you have to hold it for two minutes. <laughs> it just makes me feel fat. I just do it, and I'm like, ah, I got to get rid of those. You need to hug handles. yourself for twelve minutes or twelve yeah. seconds. Go heart to heart <laughs> to yourself, there, Jesse. <laughs> oh, but isn't the trust thing as well? So this could be apocryphal. But isn't uh, I heard a while ago the original reason for cheersing people for clinking drinks together. Was is like you pouring splash? Pour, yeah. yeah, you're but you're splashing some of your drink in theirs, and they're drinking yours to prove that you haven't poisoned your. Well, I thought it was original companion. Uh, it's almost like you know a necktie. Well, a necktie was because buttons weren't around, and then it just turned into a fucking fashion thing. So uh, it's the same deal with like you know f uh, clinking a glass. I thought it was because you would pour some of your drink in theirs. They'd pour some of theirs in yours, and eventually it just reduced to like, yeah, we're good. You know, right. my stepdad uh, is insistent that you do it twice. Do what twice? Like if we were to raise our our glasses, we'd have to clink twice. Ding ding, and you ha and he you cannot have a drink at dinner with my stepdad or my mom without everyone at the table doing a double clink. That's every a, permutation of two people clinking has to happen. Yeah, like yeah. you almost have to stand up, walk to the other end of the table, just so you can double clink um, before you can start. Yeah. By the way, while you were discussing that, I just according, I just did a little Google, and it seems to be bullshit. There seems to be no actual evidence that okay. it was ever to pour someone's some of your drink in theirs, but which kind of stands to, to reason because yeah, I'm not sure what doses, lethal doses were of poisons back then, but I don't think necessarily a minuscule drop of a... Of a thing that isn't all poison to begin with. Would, yeah. yeah. But then it almost again, also really feels just like a natural... LD50s or anything. It just feels like a natural, like, I don't know, inclination yeah. to like, oh, we're both having a drink. It, well, it's just some, something natural. Yeah, the same way it. like handshakes and things like that have, yeah. have, have developed in different cultures. And, sure. Yeah, just a sort of a touch, like a contact that isn't necessarily a very... We're in this together. We're in this slide down uh, the alcohol oh, yeah. uh, like debauchery have, hole in together. In Asian countries, you can't even drink. I forgot if it was in Korea or 
I think it was in Korea when I was there for a job like 10 years ago. You can't pour your own drink. So when your glass gets empty, someone else sitting next to you is supposed to see it and fill yours up and you can't drink and not have someone else next to you also be drink. You can't just like drink at your own pace. Everyone has to be drinking at the same time. Which is like, you would think that would slow you down, but it's more like, then it becomes like, it, it accelerates everyone because everyone's like being super conscientious to fill up everyone else's glasses when they're empty. And if someone else raises their glass, you raise your glass and you all drink. It does say, by the way, um, mm. in the same article, that toasting, uh, the term toasting originated in the 16th century. One of the first written accounts was in The Merry Wise of Windsor, Windsor uh, the Shakespeare play, when Falstaff demands, go fetch me a quart of sack, put a toast in it. Um, mm. And he's asking for wine with a piece of literal toast in it, which was thought to soak up some of the acidity of poor, of quality wine, and improve the flavor, and also gave you something to do with stale bread. Because afterwards you could eat... I don't know whether you'd actually eat it. Would you eat it? Yeah. There that you makes, go. That makes sense, You'd though, eat the bread afterwards. Like, the carbohydrates might sort of activate and sweeten it a little bit. See, I've heard different things, too. Like, I mean, because that... That sticks with us today. Everybody wants to eat garbage at the end of the night. Oh, it helps soak it up. You, yeah. I've heard that ever since I was in high school. But then I, then someone told me, and I don't even know if it's true, but because I don't really have to deal with this. But uh, you don't eat anything after you're drinking because if you do, then your stomach will close to like process all that food, and so then all that alcohol just stays in you mm. overnight, and that's why you wake up more hungover. But I think by now, if you haven't really, if science really hasn't figured out an actual cure for the hangover, that I is, think it has. It's just hydration. Yeah. It's just, it's just water. Just, but I mean, especially if you can just get an IV drip, that'll cure it instantly. Oh yeah, like the uh, saline bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that med students have been known to hook themselves up. To. I had a former brother-in-law who was going to do that. We were taking a family trip to Fort Lauderdale. He was a par- uh, he worked. He was a fireman in Ohio. And he was stashing saline bags and the stints yep. uh, in his locker. So we were all just going to put one in and then just put a little Band-Aid over it, over your arm, and nobody notices. And you go out. And you, you leave get, it in the whole time. You leave it in the then... whole time. You go out and you get wasted. You come back to the hotel room. You do the bag. You're completely sobered up. Oh, I didn't know it sobered you up. Well, he said it sobers you up because that's what they give it would help kids to, with alcohol poisoning when they oh. get admitted and stuff. It would definitely help to sober you up. I don't think it would get rid of all the alcohol in your system, but it would definitely, it would definitely you, minimize the effects of it. But it would also definitely minimize your hangover because it would... I, th- not, I don't think all of the hangover is from dehydration, but a huge amount of it is. Um, a large number of the effects of it are dehydration, See, I including think... the headache because um, it's osmosis. Like uh, your brain, like the your the blood vessels in your brain, I believe, actually slightly contract or constrict, or exp- or one of the two. Yeah, to try to like equalize. Which round is it? I don't know. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I would just think when you're at the point where you're putting a stent in your arm before you go out, you should reconsider some some shit. Well, you we know? never got to do it because he got busted with all the stuff. <laughs> right. Uh, and at work, like, what are you doing with all this stuff? He's well, like, oh, my family was going to Fort Liquordale. That's what. That's what. It is. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there are clinics now, though. I believe where. You like it's the next step up from oxygen bars. There's now so, there are now some clinics where you can go and get, um, uh, like things put in your. And like, one of them is basically to get over a hangover. But they're they're it's all fairly bullshitty. Like give yourself an energy boost for the day. Like 15 minute recovery. Are they popping up where like the uh, oxygen the bars. vape? And, yeah, exactly. Uh, places used to be or exactly. The it's cell like phone all places that. used yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah. Before that, it was the cupcake places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's always like a ten month bullshit Kiosk cycle. Life and cycle. I, yeah, and I wish that those stores just always rotated in that type of thing. 
So you were just like, oh, this is like the bullshit district. It'd be like the fashion district. Like, this is the bullshit district. It's where whatever... Everything here doesn't work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever is popular right now, this it's going to be here for... And it changes. And so then there's change. like another district a little bit further up the road that gets whatever was bullshit 10 months earlier. Right. For, for cheaper. Yeah. Like, they still have the magnetic balance bands in, in shittier malls across the country. Oh, no, not even shittier malls. There's some good malls that have, like... But people still buy those things. Yeah. The... Um, hologram that does nothing or like the two yeah it's either magnetic or holographic or something we've talked on the show yeah, before about t- how yes. i got into an argument with one of the guys because they do the balance test that is bullshit right 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 uh, oh the two finger push down yeah thing. where yeah. you stand on one leg like and they hold your ten, arms up i feel like our listeners yeah you said this 10 times we talked about it a lot but uh, before we go on i wanted to, yes. one quick thing uh, about the question thing the influence people reminded me that uh one of the only times i did something that was sort of productive at south by southwest i went to I don't even know if it's productive, but I went to a seminar Daniel Pink gave. Do you know that guy, the author? Called uh, Fear, Shame, Empathy, and More Ways to Control Behavior. And he talked about how questions are only good to influence people if you know what the answer is going to be. So you don't ever ask a question unless you're certain what they're going to say. So like in 1980, uh, Reagan had a famous effective line, which was, are you better off today than you were four years ago? Knowing that everyone would be like, oh, no, wait, I'm way worse off so knowing the answer to that, it makes everyone think about that, process it. Then the answer that they come to, they think that they've arrived at themselves and they're even more committed to it. But then Romney tried it again in 2012 and everyone was like, oh, four years ago, 2008. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, uh, today I'm, I'm bad off, but like, oh wait, in 2008, I was even worse off. So like it didn't work because people are slightly better off than they were four years ago. So it didn't work. They tried it in one speech and then he never, he like abandoned it for the rest of his campaign because it didn't actually make people think, oh yeah, he's right. So yeah, questions are only useful when you know the answer. That's a valuable lesson I learned about, uh, I forget who told me this, years ago, maybe my second year into stand-up. Never do crowd work unless why you should never ask an audience member a question if you don't already know if you're not prepared for that you have to know what their all of their possible answers are. Yeah, if someone asks like, have you guys seen this movie or something, and no one says yes, like, well, then where do you go with your act? Oh, that was the the other tip. Um, If you do want to answer an open question to get into a bit, ask a specific person. Because if you go like, hey, who here's been to this place, and no one answers, it just brings the energy down. But if you go to a specific person, like, hey, have you ever been to this place? Then you get a yes or you get a no, and either way you can bounce. You can yeah. well. I always find uh, you can get more jokes out of the explanation of something if they haven't. That's your go-to. That's that's the plant. That's the parachute. So like, let's say, um, hey, you know, have you guys uh, have you guys seen uh, Sex in the City? Uh, and for instance, no. I know. Well, I know everyone has, but then uh, but, but yeah, then someone so goes, playing someone the, goes like, like, no, no. Um, well, it doesn't matter. It's this show about um, a horse that fucks everybody. Uh, you know, and you can just like get another. Yeah, does that makes sense. Like, yeah, it does you, make you sense. You can like get. You there's can a ex- joke in the explanation. There's there. a joke yeah. in the explanation always. But then I was also taught, or not taught. I was also, you know, when I was very early on a stand up uh, uh, after a show, I was emceeing. The headliner comes up to me and he says, "So why are you asking the audience for permission to tell your jokes?" And I was like, what do you mean? I, I, I don't ask the audience for permission. He goes, yeah, you're asking the audience for permission to tell your jokes. I was like, I, I don't think so. He's like, every time you ask a question to the audience that is not important at all to your act, you're saying, can I tell this joke? Have you like, for example, if we could use Sex and the City. Like, yeah. have you guys seen Sex and the City? Ba- basically, that's just the performer on stage saying, 
Uh, is it I okay hope, if I do this? Is it okay if I do this right. joke I already have about Sex in the City that I'm going to do anyway? Right. But I really hope you guys have seen it, which will give me permission to tell it, even though I'm going to tell it anyway. That's a great... And um, so ever since then, I've just never asked questions. Like, there's some comics, you know, who do it, like, before every joke. Do you guys drive? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's infuriating. It's, it's crazy. I think if I ever do something like that, then I normally phrase it as, like, um, I don't know if you've ever driven but when i drive it like i'll say it like that mm-hmm. i try to keep my questions just if i ask them the answer is obviously no like it's the like uh you guys uh you know sometimes like you, you're jerking off a dog and uh <laughs> and then and then you go into something you know what i mean and it's like because to, to me that's yeah. like an extra bonus joke of like why would you think we relate to this yeah um you know i sort of tying the things together someone again it was a headliner when i was relatively new pointed out to me and this goes into body language he went um hey you know whenever you talk to an audience member you you take a step backwards oh yeah and i hadn't noticed i was doing that which is a very like passive yeah subservient move i whenever i talk whenever i was bantering with someone i'd take a subliminally uh, like subconsciously take a step backwards um and he's like yeah if you talk to someone in the audience you need to stand still or step forward because you're when, giving them control of it. Other than that, when when a bit's not working, you know, I always used to unconsciously cr- start crossing my arms. Yeah, or slink backwards. Or, so, yeah, and and instead now it's it, it's a conscious effort, but you have to go the other way. Yeah. Step step forward, put your arms down, hammer home the you know what what just happened? Uh, something just flew down. into my face. Okay, uh, sure. That wasn't me responding ju- to your like ah don't yeah, you dare yeah, yeah. say that Jesse. Yeah, but did I the saw... thing that flew in your face come from Jesse's mouth or from? Oh, well, I mean, I think it was an insect. Oh, okay. so, so it might I saw it flying around. I, I could see it. From over yeah, I could see something hovering. Yeah, I don't know. Why would you assume it came from my mouth? I, because of the way you both reacted. I thought you knew something had happened. and You uh, thought Jesse had spat while he was talking and it hit me. Yes. Mm, no, That's no, not the case. Insulted. Unless he spat out a fly. Well, it I happens saw, sometimes. I saw Tommy Davidson do that one time. Not the fly thing, but the, the crowd work thing. Uh-huh. He was on stage and somebody was talking and he went to the very edge of the stage, almost like he was leaning into the crowd right. with the microphone. And that person shut up immediately. But it was probably the second most effective thing. The, one, the first most effective thing I've ever seen on stage just from body language controlling someone in an audience was Billy Gardell was headlining and this guy was featuring and he's a very like low energy dry act and there was this drunk idiot in the back and he just wouldn't shut up the whole show and so billy gets up there and the guy yells something immediately gardell's on stage for maybe seven seconds and this was probably i don't know seven years ago eight years ago this is before he was in mike and molly yeah this was before mike and molly and so he's got a long sleeve shirt on so he doesn't he's like all he says is oh you're the guy who's been talking And then he just slowly unbuttons his left cuff, (laughs) rolls his sleeve up past his elbow very slowly, goes to the right, unbuttons, slowly rolls up. It takes about 45 seconds. (laughs) He's not talking during this time. He's not talking at all. And the crowd's just like, what's going on? And then then he just looks out and he goes, anything else you want to (laughs) say? And there's no response. And he goes, didn't fucking think so. So how's everybody else doing? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, he just intimidated this guy to silence for the rest of the show just by rolling his sleeves up. And Gardell's a big dude. It might be 500 pounds, but yeah, 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 besides that. Yeah, yeah. Gardell's a big man. Wow. Yeah, I think I could... 
I don't think there's any change I can make to my wardrobe that would intimidate a man. Yeah, I don't think I got that. I don't have that card in my <laughs> I deck. Slowly, just slowly, <laughs> slowly <laughs> top my pants off. <laughs> <laughs> you, you slowly French roll your jeans. Right. <laughs> you pinch them. Anything else you want to say? I'm going to tie my shirt into a knot <laughs> on the front. Right. I'm slipping into Brian Regan. I'm going to tie my shirt in. But, slowly, uh, like, untie your tie and then redo it as a double Windsor knot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? <laughs> Uh, Ryan, we always like to ask our guests uh, Anytime we have one on Do you, do you have any uh, uh, background in science? Anything at all? Even a class you particularly enjoyed A science class, a uh, teacher you particularly clicked with Anything like that? Um, not really I mean, strangely I mean, I, I always kind of lean towards Like writing and literature and all that kind of stuff right, And right. then I did have to teach science, though At a grade school Okay uh, What? I was. That's uh, definitely of all the answers we've yeah. had so far. We've we've had varying people from like professors to people who are like no, I didn't know classes at all. We've never had someone who went no, I didn't know classes, but I did teach it. Yeah, no, I mean I took the standard science classes that you have to take, you know, coming up in the curriculum or whatever. Sure. But and then I got a uh, creative writing degree from college. Uh, got a short term sub license. To What's do that? for substitute know. teaching. Okay. Uh, so you can just do, the rule is you can do up to three days in a row, but you're not supposed to be able to do a long-term assignment. <laughs> Got it. And so then I subbed twice at this one grade school. They had a teacher quit on a Friday. She said I wasn't coming back Monday. I was like, oh, I didn't think you could do that as a teacher. <laughs> like, that's why you work in a restaurant like me, because you can quit whenever you want. And... I got a call when I was waiting tables at my other job from the principal asking me if I wanted the full-time job. And I, I remember I answered the phone call in the walk-in cooler at my restaurant gig on a Friday night at like 6 o'clock during rush. And I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love the full-time job. And she goes, well, you have a degree, right? And I go, yeah, yeah I got a degree. <laughs> and she says, uh, you know, okay, so it'll be fine. I'm like, yeah, my degree's in creative writing. And she goes, oh, you don't have a teaching degree? Because I guess most people who graduate trying to be a teacher before they find if they can't find a full time job yet they'll just sub. Okay. And because that gets you in at that school. They had their certificate or whatever. But they had their certificate, and right. I said you were uh, just being creepy. Well, You're it's just... a very it's a very good great part time job. You Wait, know, for coach, a hey, what age what age were you teaching? Hold on, coach, you don't you don't have a kid on the team? <laughs> <laughs> I love no. athleticism yeah, yeah. and youth. <laughs> no, I uh, you know I like to see uh, it's good calf calf work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just see little league as a path into the big league. <laughs> no, no, I'll iron all their pants before the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was teaching uh, third, fourth, and fifth at a Montessori, at a public Montessori school. So, in what, age, what age is that? So that's like nine but, through eleven. Okay. And she said, "Well, you know, it's they're in third, fourth, and fifth grade science. Could you could you do it?" And I was like, "Well, yeah. I mean, I can. I'll have the teacher's book, so I'm sure I can do it." But like, I was amazed how much I remembered while teaching. Like, I would just start recalling stuff. Yeah, that I is. had learned while giving a lesson on something, and when I'm at Starbucks giving my lectures to random people, <laughs> I always find that I. Uh, <laughs> um, so so, <laughs> how how long ago was this, Ryan? This was uh, wow, twelve years ago. So the brontosaurus still a dinosaur. Yeah, Pluto's still a planet. It amazes me, and the food pyramid was still a thing. Dude, none of us had to go to school till like, fifth grade. Yeah. Well, even I, worse. I, I hate when they take shit away like that. This was 2002, 2003, when I was teaching. My science books, the textbooks I was given to use to teach were from 1987. The pre-9-11 science textbooks the were pre-9-11. No yeah. I mean, that's how, like, that was before freedom, everything. That was before was. freedom fusion. 
That was before. Uh, which I don't know. <laughs> we had to change all the names of everything. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> um, no, no Swiss chemists were acknowledged. No, no um, international space station. Right? <laughs> like, there's people living in space. No, not no, according to these no, books. No, <laughs> no. It, so it was pretty poor. Um, I would just use the internet and. Uh, some other uh, tools, even though I wasn't supposed to necessarily. Because I'm not, well, I'm supposed to teach these kids yeah. from the information from 1987. It was ridiculous. I mean, because it only seems exponential the more we're learning, the more we're learning, the more we're of learning. Course. So, you know, that was, you know, 50, or no, 20, no, so it was 15 years. I'm trying oh, to do yeah. math. So I taught. I also taught math like, uh, to wow. these kids. One day there'll be a microwave in every town. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great example. Oh. Yeah, so it was... Uh, so I had to do a crash course on myself and, you know, try to really, but I was teaching them stuff like phases of the moon and things like that. So, I mean, not real hardcore stuff where you would need like geometry. Or, Were you the cool yeah. science teacher though? Cause I imagine you being the youngest teacher at the school. I imagine your hair the very same and like some yeah. kids, my hair was actually moon. longer than this and usually wore and, you know, up in some kind of bun or whatever, just to keep you it had down. The man bun before because, that was a thing. Yeah, I did. And every once in a while, I would let my hair down. I would just come in with my hair down, and I know I stopped doing it because I know the chair around the backwards. Kids were crazy wild, like Mr. Rhodes back yeah. in the old. Uh, uh, the kids were out of control even more so when my hair was not up. Wow, it had an effect. Like my physical appearance let them feel more wild. And even when you brought the guitar out, that didn't calm them. That didn't calm them down either. <laughs> I had a teacher. The ukulele worked. <laughs> I, had a, I had a few teachers that were so just hilarious as people where I just could not keep my shit together and learned nothing. Like, I had a teacher that would write on the chalkboard... <laughs> But his fucking boner would always wipe up like spare chalk. Oh, yeah. So he just constantly had like chalk dick, like when he would turn around. And I just like learned nothing. I yeah, learned yeah. whatever medieval, medieval history he had to yeah. talk about. That's I funny because I was very conscious of chalk dick. Yeah, dude. You I was very be. conscious of it. That's I never, teaching 101. I never had chalk dick. I was hung over a bunch, but uh, cause I, I had started. I was hung over. I did not have chalk dick <laughs> before a subcommittee right. testifying. <laughs> no, but we. I'd do fun games like, hey, if you can, if you can say, you know, I'd have someone time me. If someone can say the phases of the moon backwards and forwards, uh, and beat my time from memory, then. Wait, they can get out of stuff. Half, three quarters full. Like, well, it? no, you got like waxing gibbous, waning gibbous, oh, okay, full. Okay, okay, okay. You know, so if you could, if they could I'd say it, if they could beat me, like we would say it together. So if they could say it and beat me, and then I get to pick which phase we started at, oh. and you still had to go through all of them. And if they could beat me, they'd get out of homework that night. And no kid ever beat me. I was pretty good at it. Yeah, nice, <laughs> and, uh, nice. But uh, but I didn't do much teaching. It was uh, mostly discipline the whole time. Well, yeah, so. it's third through fifth grade. Yeah, and it was inner city school, poorly funded. Most of the kids were special needs, and uh, they wait, weren't put in. City, they didn't have the resources to do it. Inner city public Montessori. Yeah, I didn't know those things. Could Neither all go did together, I. I, I thought, didn't know it yeah. either. And Isn't Montessori sort of religious in a weird way or something? I, it's got religious connotations. I never, I was not aware of a Montessori school or what they did until I was teaching there. Which What's, was how do you sum it up? The sum is uh, okay. So you're in a, you can, you pretty much have the class for half the day, and then you swap for the Engl the kids that are learning English and whatever, writing or whatever in the other room and then you swap and you have this group of kids for the next half of the day and it's so you have three grades all in the same classroom if a kid has a question uh, they're supposed to ask 
the grade above them. What? So if a third grader has a question, he's supposed to ask a kid to get the ant- to help. And then if that kid doesn't know, he's supposed to ask another kid. And if two kids can't help them figure it out together, teach them, then they have to ask me. And the idea is that kids will learn and teach at the same time. And and you you really learn something when you're able to teach it. I guess is the idea. Yeah. It, well, it makes also, sense, but it also sounds like what a hungover teacher would have decided as a rule. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> and but the kids never did that. They just went straight to me. But also, I get like the the concept as well is sort of teaching you how to work stuff out and find stuff rather than just memorize facts and have information yeah. imparted. And it points. builds a sense of community in the classroom as far as like you know we're all trying to learn this together. Yeah, and and saying something back so someone else can. Understand it, re-solidifies it in your own brain. The older kids are learning by by saying this stuff back to the younger kids. I'm sure, right? Yeah, or is the theory. I'm guess. Right. But most of the time, I was just in 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 theory. The older kids already learned this stuff too from uh, before, right. so it's easy for them to teach it to the kids. Because you would do, you would just have them so do independent work. Year chunks. Well, no, you would have like independent time for fourth and fifth graders while I was teaching a lesson to the third graders. Got it. Right. Okay. And then uh, that would just rotate. And then, uh, yeah, in theory. But most of the time, it was just me telling this kid, Dion, to get off the desk. Right. Uh, <laughs> or that if he, he's not allowed to, you know, I'm not going to fight him because he's a kid. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, telling Rodney to stop throwing pencils at me. Right. Uh, things like that. Um, at, at any point, did, like, did you guys click when like he taught you some dance moves? Well, he was doing some Michael Jackson on top of a desk once. And you stopped that? And I stopped it because the class was in chaos. And so <laughs> I said, you got to get it down. And then uh, he says, Mr. Singer, one day I'm going to go stay at the Neverland Ranch. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, Dion, I don't want to have to break this to you. But, uh, one time this kid Rodney, the worst thing I ever had in class, this kid Rodney just, I said something and he looked at me right in front of the class. And he was a little kid. He looks at me and he goes, you don't fucking tell me shit, Mr. Singer. And I was just like, ooh. This was like my first week. <laughs> so I go, let's go out in the hall. And this was an open door school. You're not allowed to okay. close the door, right? And uh, so I closed the door. And it's, just me and, it's just me and Rodney outside in the hall. And I go, I go, what did you say to me? He goes, I didn't say nothing. And I go, well, if you didn't say nothing, that means you said oh, something. Right? Right? Whoa. And the kid doesn't understand Rodney's what I'm saying. Fucked. And uh and I said, So what'd you say? And he said, I didn't say nothing, Mr. Singer. And I go, I go, I know what you said. You said, You don't fucking tell me shit, Mr. Singer. And he's looking at me like, Oh, Mr. Singer just cursed at me. And I said, Here's the rule. There's only one man in this classroom. But if you're gonna talk like a man, you're gonna act like it. So say it to my face. And he starts trembling a little bit. And I go, he goes, I don't want to say it. I go, say it. I don't want to say it. I'm like, say it. He looks at me, he starts crying. He goes, you don't fucking tell me shit, Mr. Say it. And I slapped him on the shoulder. I go, now you're acting like a man. Now get in there and shut your fucking mouth. And uh, <laughs> can't be Montessori by the book. No, it's that not. And uh, the kid shut up for about, I had him for about two days under control after that. But then he was back to being wild, you know, being... He was a real funny kid, though. I mean, one time we were in the library doing computers. <laughs> and, uh, doing computers? You know, because there was like three computers or whatever, right? Right. And so I walk over and all the and Rodney's got all the girls around him all the time. He's a charming little son of a bitch. And uh, I walk over and I go, what are you doing? And he just looks up at me, 
maintains eye contact and rips the loudest fart <laughs> I've ever heard. My, this kid's 11. And I almost threw up. I was laughing so hard. I had to, I had to go out. I had to run out into the hallway so that didn't everyone didn't laughing. see me laughing so much. I came back a few minutes later and Rodney's like, where'd you go, Mr. Singer? And I was like, I had to go check on some. Wow. He's like, I made you laugh. And I was like, yes, you did. Don't ever do it again. And uh, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna fart like a man. <laughs> yeah. Do it to my face. <laughs> do it to my face. You fart been. on my face <laughs> right now, Rodney. <laughs> Rodney, shit, shit your pants, Rodney. All right, go all the oh, way. Oh man, me, you in the hall, poop, poop, Rodney. Poop. Well, you know what, Ryan? You could probably go back to school right now and teach just as well as you did back then because <laughs> guess who is back in the books? Yes, the Brontosaurus, you guys. What? Brontosaurus, Brontosaurus is back. back. As of when? That's uh, like a couple weeks ago. Uh, a new study finds that they aren't apatosaurus after all. Brontosaurus is one of the most recognizable of all prehistoric beasts, which is even more remarkable when you consider that it only ever existed for a fleeting moment in history. Uh, in 1903, only a couple decades after it was discovered, it was demoted. Leading scientists at the time decided... Actually, wait, I thought it was way later than that, but um, they decided the fossils found in the western U.S. were merely a species within the genus Apatosaurus, Museum specimens were renamed, textbooks were rewritten, and Brontosaurus was relegated to history's dust heap. Wait, this in 1903? Yeah, I thought it was like in the 90s or something. No, because we all learned about it. Yeah, Yeah. I I thought so. Okay, well, this is according to uh, Discover Magazine, and I'm going to trust them. It's uh, not not too suspect. 1903? I feel like it's 2003. That just pisses me off about my teachers then. What? What? Yeah. 1903. Okay. Don't worry, because it's all set to change once again. A new study taking into account recently discovered specimens claims to have set the record straight, establishing Brontosaurus as a scientifically valid genus once again. The research led by Emmanuel Schopp at the Universidad Nova de Lisboa in Portugal. They show a picture of him. He's clearly a Brontosaurus in a mustache. He's a top hat on. Uh, he's kind of like <laughs> just one of the one of the Groucho Marx. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And it just has a shirt that says "Padden me." Oh, never. It was hey. bad. Hey, that's a Patasaurus pun. Um, this, I'm, oh, this, one second. This uh, delves into the anatomical details to investigate the evolutionary relationships of a large and important group of sauropods known as diplodocids. Diplodocids. Did I just walk him from that bad pun? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, that's that's the dinosaur family that includes a Patasaurus as well as well as other iconic dinosaurs like Diplodocus and these animals are renowned for their enormous body sizes sweeping necks and small heads and long whiplash tails um, so Shop and his colleagues took as 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 objective an approach as possible in crafting their dinosaur lineages instead of the traditional approach plotting how similar each species is to the others they instead opted to use a specimen based protocol analyzing each individual animal regardless of its previous previously assigned species and that technique, although time-consuming, allowed them to look exhaustively at variation within each species as well as between different species. Um, they identified nearly 500 key aspects of diplodocid anatomy and used them as a basis to reconstruct how related the individual specimens are based on how many of those characteristics were shared. And um, the differences they found between Brontosaurus and Apatosaurus were at least as numerous as the ones between closely related genera and much more than what you normally find between species. So, so they are different species. They are not one and the same. They are different. And, um, well, I feel good about it, having Brontosaurus back. Right? Close examination of fossils used to originally name Brontosaurus showed that often previously overlooked aspects of its shoulder blade, vertebral column, and ankle bones were in fact unique to this animal and enough to distinguish it from Apatosaurus. Those include the shape of the chevrons. Sure. 
uh, a series of bones underneath the vertebral column that many reptiles possess. And uh, Brontosaurus actually appears to contain three distinct species, all from around 157 to 151 million years ago in the Western U.S. Wow. Back. Brontosaurus is back. It's back. Yes. Uh, thank you, Ruby Miller, for sending that in as well. There's probably a lot of confusion because if you saw, you know, what was a an Allosaurus, an old pad, uh, Patasaurus, you know, with the Brontosaurus, you might have thought, oh, this is just one of the other species, but with uh, some sort of head transplant. Ah, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> some sort of <laughs> some sort of head transplant. Uh, guys, did you know that uh, a man has volunteered in the first human head transplant, and we're going to call it a fucking body right. transplant. Yeah, I'm completely with you before. on this one. Yeah. I think that's it's absurd. Stop calling it a head transplant. It's like uh, I know I know the head is the smaller bit that's being replaced. So from that point of view, then yeah. sure, but. It's the it's important, the important bit. Yeah. It's the bit. It's not like it's a car you're putting a new engine in and you might say it's well you wouldn't call a car thing a transplant but like it is the thing that runs it and also the thing that makes it it. You know, you can't Right. That was a bad analogy. Oh wait, uh, so wait. Now the head is the thing that makes it it cuz you can do a heart transplant but you can't do a brain transplant. Right. Well, this is sort of like a brain transplant. Um so therefore But it's a body transplant to the brain. But even you So the important part saying. is the brain. Yes. Yeah. So why not call it a head transplant? Because that's implying that like the the healthy thing that's implying the fundamental you're getting thing a new is head. the body. You're getting a new head. Like well, that won't be you anymore. You you are the head, and the head. The head oh, is the thing that body. you're getting is the body. You're yes. getting a new body. Yeah. So anyway, oh, okay. So it's like oh, if you were giving the dead person the new head, then it would be a head transplant. The dead body. Well, you you are, but that, from the perspective of the body, it's getting a new head. But the body has no perspective because it has no brain. <laughs> Okay, yeah. The guy's scene. getting a new body is what is yes, happening. exactly. So then we, it's a body trend. That makes sense. Okay, okay that makes sense to me. Because there's an Italian uh, mad scientist who's saying he can do this <laughs> within two years. I watched his TEDx talk, and he's he's like supervillain crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's not even a TED talk. It's a TEDx talk, which anybody can just put on. Uh, it's not a section. Well, yeah, and if you're a scientist, you shouldn't have your own logo. Don't make your own logo. It's it's villainous. Yeah. It's villainous. So he announced that, and then now That's true, though. You can just put on your own... T- I could just... We could just put up a curtain right here well, and there put are up a TEDx. TEDx. Yeah. A TEDx they talk. do have... I think they have to screen it. Like, they have to... You have to say what you're doing, and they have to get approved by the local no. committee. But no. there's definitely been... No, I'm pretty sure they, they some have criteria, great, but there I, have been people who snuck into TEDx with utter bullshit. Like, like a Chef Keith type both, deal? Both intentionally and unintentionally. Like, there's been a few people who've pranked TEDx who've turned up with just nonsense speeches. Well, that's my favorite type of thing, though. TEDx uh, are independent TED-like events, which can be organized by anyone who obtains, who obtains a free license from TED. Um, TEDx events are non... Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. So there's got to be criteria to get the license. But then once you have it, they're not like overseeing what your show is. TEDx right. is not... It's it's like uh, it's like the GoBots to the Transformers of TED, or sure. nah, or a better analogy. Sure. Uh, yeah. So the fact that this guy wasn't even doing an actual TED talk is already sort of suspect. But whatever. So now there's a guy who's saying his disease is so bad he's going to sign up. He w- he wants to be the first person to get a new body, and that's um, blowing up the blogosphere and making people do all this crazy speculation. That to me sounds kind of like the same sort of. Uh, when 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 space travel was in its infancy, people were talking about like what's going to happen the first time someone looks back on Earth? They're going to have space fever and go space crazy, <laughs> right? Right? No, they probably won't. So yeah, there's an article on Science Alert. Yeah, the Eric Voicevert listener sent in a bunch of people sent it in actually, um, saying that the world's first head transplant volunteer could experience something quote worse than death. 
I would not wish this on anyone, says oh Top God. Surgeon. And it's just all this speculative... Uh, I mean, the big thing is, will it work or not? Can you reattach the spinal column? That's the biggest issue. I think Here's we'll my be, question, we'll to... too, about this guy. Uh, having read this article, whenever, like last week or something, the guy who wants the new body yeah. has a... It's the if you have a like this congenital disease or whatever the disease yeah. he has that's debilitating him his body and is going to end up killing him won't some of those it's in his DNA right well so wouldn't that DNA that's still in his brain kind of make its way into the new body like I don't know if that could, um, will that happen will like kind of I mean if he had brain, if he had brain merge? cancer they wouldn't be telling him to get a new body um, he has the disease is it could be something uh, it could be heart disease he has you know? Werdening Hoffman disease um, so which is a hang on let me find it um, but he, while, while, I'm, while I'm looking for this I'll read the warning that this surgeon put out because so it does feel like something yeah. from the 19 from like the early 1900s uh, where he says um, uh there's no telling what the transplant and all the new connections and foreign chemicals that his head and brain will have to suddenly deal with will do to Spirodinov's psyche. Um, <laughs> it could result in a hitherto never experienced level and quality of insanity. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to use hitherto, <laughs> yeah, man, you mean. <laughs> this this is could the best. be an insanity the likes of which we've never seen before. <laughs> we will attempt to build the Robo Man, <laughs> but the insanity could. <laughs> Well, the likelihood is it's never going to happen. Someone in Houston, I was there last month, told me the same thing about the Mars thing, the whole spaceship to Mars thing with the people who volunteered. Oh, yeah, we covered uh, this. This, uh, this woman who worked at NASA, she goes, it's never, it's fundamentally flawed and it will never happen. We, um, I don't because, know if we actually covered this on the show or whether we were just talking about it outside of it, but one of the guys, one of the finalists has, been a, has become a bit of a whistleblower now and has pointed out how full of shit half the program is just in terms of how they're trying to get money out of they're trying to get money out yeah and and they don't really seem to have proper plans in place to get the funding that they need right Uh, you know every bit of money that they get from publicity related to the project goes to the project even though it's just hundreds of often just hundreds and or like low thousands of dollars which is like a drop in the ocean to the hundreds of thousands that you need to you're right. saying they shouldn't even be collecting money at all because well, it's well, no, not they should be. Matter, you know, they need, but it it does feel like it feels like a massive scam. It feels like, hang on, why are you so desperate to get this fifty bucks off me that you just that I got for doing this interview? You know, it's not when, a massive scam though, Matt. Is is donating to a podcast? That's, that's true. Not a scam at all. That is something you can do, and it's not a drop in every the ocean, penny that therefore. you send to us is going to get us to Mars, as we've discussed. Yeah, as we've discussed, we're going to go to Mars. Um, no, no, that's where, uh, that's where money actually makes a huge difference. Cause it's, it's, uh, cause we, we don't have to buy rocket fuel and things. Um, and um, if you want to donate, you can always visit probablyscience.com and click on our PayPal donate button. It's right there for you. Just yeah. click on the button. What are you doing? Not clicking on the button. It click really, on the button. yeah, it really helps us out. It really helps us keep the show going. And, uh, uh, we have, uh, Paolo, our old friend Paolo, Paolo says, Navarro. who has a monthly donation set up, and very kind of you too, Paolo. Thank you, Paolo. As, as does Lindsay uh, Iserman. Iserman. And Madison Martinez. Madison. And Paul Freeland. Paul. Hey, Paul. And Caroline Laco. Thank Caroline. you. Caroline. Sure. Thank you, all of you, for keeping those monthly donations going. That's very kind of you. You guys are great. And mm-hmm. then we have some one-off we donations. We love all of you. To thank. We have... Um, uh, thank you very much, uh, Maria Mason. 
Maria Mason, thank you so much. And uh, fellow Californian, Maria Mason. Yeah, thank you, Joseph Shannon, um, and Danny Clark. Um, thank you, Danny. Uh, Janice Becker. I'm guessing it's Janice. Oh, Janice. Oh, German. There we go. From a physics student from Germany sent in. What Yana says is a token amount, uh, a symbolic amount. Uh, as a physics student, I can't give much, but thank you very much. I, we we really appreciate that. And then I was saving this one to last from Matthew Shaw. I like this one. Mm-hmm. It's very he sent, interesting. He sent three donations in a row of varying amounts. We often give. We of, we sometimes ascribe adjectives to our donations. We sometimes describe donations as uh, generous or sometimes very generous. very generous. Yeah. Right. Um, Matthew sent through. How, how do we even describe this? Okay, so he sent three different donations, and he, he said he wanted to figure out what our limits were. Right. So you can you can combine those three in various ways to have different amounts. So he wants to see which of those combinations would be considered generous or which very generous. I would say all three together would make a very generous donation. The total is very generous. Yeah, yes. I would say I would that's say a very generous donation. Uh, of those three donations, you can combine. Um, you can combine uh, well, there's three two, levels. There's three ways of combining those three into pairs, and two of those three pairs I would call generous, but not very generous. I would say that. Or would all three pairs? No, I would say be generous. I would say two of those pairs would be generous. All uh, three of them very generous. Two of the three pairs generous. One of the three pairs is 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 great, <laughs> uh, and then uh, one of the one of the three individually is generous. Yep. Mm-hmm. The other two individually are not generous, but we still appreciate. Are they not generous? I um I've been going see I've been going generous as soon as we hit a different as soon as we okay, I got we a different I've got a lower line. generous I've got a, barometer I've got a line in my head but uh, okay my generous barometer is much lower but I I just eat toast and shit right but I, <laughs> <laughs> put but it I, in the wine sack right send that toast so in I the don't wine you sack. know I don't know but I very much like that you've set it up like one of those all right he has two weights one that's yeah. twenty pounds and one that's five pounds he has to weigh. He has to know whether this bag of coins is exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, no, it's it's a. Uh, I it's, love those puzzles. It's a logic puzzle, but we really, really appreciate it uh, from anyone that uh, it's sends always in. Always generous. And if you can't, hey, whatever, don't sweat it. Tell your friends. Write nice things about us on iTunes. Subscribe, will you? Um, yeah, and that's the way it really helps. And you can buy things on Amazon. Yes, you can. Ooh. Using the link. Oh. So if you are ever shopping on Amazon, go to the link that's on the same. Also, probablyscience.com. Uh, click through and shop as normal, and it just gives us a little kickback. And in fact, if you want to not have to go to our site every time you shop on Amazon, or just you're worried about remembering, uh, set up a bookmark to that page. So click it once, and then bookmark that as your Amazon bookmark. And then every time you type in Amazon.com on your browser window, it'll automatically come up. Oh, yeah. you okay there, Matt? I am. <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you got through there. I picked up something... Interesting because you know in I, San Francisco, I believe. I think uh, oh, you the, did, did you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, that's not. Um, I picked well, up the San Francisco thing. I, I think was a, there. A bunch of things just happened that we can talk about uh, because you know I will tell you guys that um, our podcast is probably for everyone. You know, obviously everyone should should listen to the podcast clearly, uh, except of course for the deaf, uh, which you will not be able to listen because you're a, you're a deaf person. It'll be more uh, difficult. But you know what deaf people can do? What can they do, Jesse? Well, they can sneeze like Matt just did. Okay. They can have themselves a sneeze. Sneezing's for everyone. Um, sneezing's for everyone. But did you know that the deaf community sneezes silently? I, I did not until Chris Nelson sent this story in. Well, turns out it's completely true. Uh, this article's by partially deaf journalist Charlie Swinborn. Um, 
Swinburne observes that deaf people don't make the achoo sound when they sneeze. By well, the way, but you, you're kind of bearing the lead on this because it was in an online magazine for the deaf community called Limping Chicken. Sure. Well, that's <laughs> what the, does that have to do? That's with? the lead online. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's the lead. Obviously. Yeah, it used to be. Uh, it used to be for erectile dysfunction. They okay. had to buy the domain yeah. from it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Back in the early days of the internet, when there weren't that many domains, like everyone had snatched everything up. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, was there. It was, yeah. yeah, tech bubble. Uh, I don't know what that means. Uh, I hear it a lot in the news. By the way, that that stock photograph is that improviser Heather Campbell sneezing. She looks like it is UCB actress Heather, Heather Campbell. Campbell. It looks I think it is. remarkably like her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, um, so Swinburne, the author here, had observed that deaf people don't make the achoo sound when they sneeze, while hearing people seem to do it all the time. Uh, nor is achoo universal. It's what English-speaking sneezers say. Oh, it's f- like dogs that say guau guau in other languages. Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, the French say achom. In Japan, it's hakashin. And in the Philippines, they say haching. Now, hang on. They Do they hakushin? actually make the same noise? Because people, when they sneeze, don't actually go achoo. Some people do. But I think that's a learned behavior. So, so really? So, so My fucking grandma says achoo. Achoo. You know what I mean? So for Japanese... Hakushin, but that's also when they launch the blue fireball, right? Hakushin. Yeah. Horyokun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how... So if a Japanese person sneezes, that they would make a different sound to how... You or I would sneeze. Sure. Sure. If yeah, they well, were not if, deaf. Yeah. Inserting words into sneezes and our responses, such as bless you, are cultural habits we pick up along the way. So it's not surprising that British deaf people, particularly users of sign language, don't think to add the English word achoo to this most natural of actions. For deaf people, a sneeze is what it should be, something that just happens, says Swinburne. He even attempts to describe what an achoo-free deaf sounds like, or a deaf sneeze sounds like. Uh, there's a heavy breath as the deep pre-sneeze breath is taken, then a sharper, faster sound of air being released. Uh, very little deaf sneeze research exists, but a study has been done on deaf people and their laughter. So do deaf laughs sound different to hearing ones? Mm. Well, in a paper called Laughter Among Deaf Signers, the deaf guffaw or titter is described as obvious and easily identified, but more varied than the typical laughter of hearing people. Um, speaking to Ouch, uh, Professor uh, Bincy Wall, director of the Deafness Cognition and Language Research Center at University College London, calls actions like these vegetative sounds. She says we can modify the noise, but we can't stop it. When we laugh, we're not trying to go ha-ha. That's just the sound that comes out as a result of the changes we make in our throat. The influence we have over our sneezing and laughter allows us to stifle them or put more power behind them, depending on what feels socially appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, acting like you don't have control of your laugh, but you do of your sneeze is interesting. I do think laughs are socially influenced, the kinds of laughs you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, people, I think people's laughs change over time as well. You're more likely to laugh out loud if there's other people around, too. That's also true, definitely. And if people don't see you, I think, at least if you don't know them. I mean, that's why a dark dark room is so crucial for a comedy show and yeah. also packing people in tightly yeah uh, it's always the worst when people are really scattered across out. yeah by the way i just had to youtube's japanese sneezing to see if i can see hear hakushu hakushu that's, oh, that's, that's gonna it. bring up some sites you don't oh, wait a second oh, <laughs> wait, wait here we go Jeez. here's 12 guys sneezing on a girl it was <laughs> Wait, she just she did say some sounds before that last one. Can you guys hear this? <laughs> what? 
Did you hear? Because it's supposed to be Hakashu. Oh, well, eh. They sound like that. Something before it started, like she had the preparative syllables. And then the, and then the sneeze. Wow. I used to do something called a sneezong. What's that? Um, it's when you. It's I would not you. I would sneeze a song. Sure. So this was probably seven years ago. I decided that I was going to just do a sneezong. So okay. every time. So it makes perfect sense to me that you could have silent sneezes because I I learned like unwittingly that you can control what sound you make when you sneeze. Like for example, a a sneezong would be something like this. <laughs> that would be my sneeze. Every okay. time I'd sneeze, it would be a, some variation of that, like <gasps> okay, something like that. Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, you, as much Sounds as you good. can learn stuff, you can also forget things. No. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, here's something I found out recently: recalling a particular memory can cause us to forget another similar memory. Mm. And neuroscientists have now watched this process happening using brain scans. Inside the brains of human subjects, they pinpointed the unique imprints of two visual memories that were triggered by the same word. Then they watched as repeatedly recalling one of the images caused the second interfering memory to vanish. The study is repeatedly... Sorry, the study is published in the journal Nature Neuroscience. The results suggest that our brains actively delete memories that might distract us from the task at hand. People used to think... Thinking of forgetting as something passive, said lead author Dr. Maria Wimber from Birmingham University. Our research reveals that people are more engaged than they realize in shaping what they remember of their lives. Uh, Dr. Wimber performed the study with colleagues from the MRC Cognition and Brain Sciences Unit in Cambridge, and she told the BBC that the implications of the new findings were not as simple as a one-in-one-out policy for memory storage. It's not that we're pushing something out of our head every time we're putting something new in, the brain seems to think that the things we use frequently are the things that are really valuable to us. So okay. it's trying to keep things clear to make sure we can access these important things really easily and push out of the way those things that are con- competing or interfering. The idea that recalling, frequently recalling something can cause us to forget closely related memories is not new. It's been around since the 90s. But never before had scientists managed to confirm that this, this was the result of an active suppression of the interfering memory rather than just passive deterioration. What made the discovery possible was identifying reliable indicators that her subjects were recalling a given picture inside their visual cortex. So here's how, the, how she did this. She gave them a number of boring tasks in the brain scanner before the, trial, the memory trials even began. Okay. This might involve looking at a picture of Marilyn Monroe or Albert Einstein many times over. Boring. boring. <laughs> Dull, nothing more boring than looking at Marilyn we show picture, people pick visual pictures of these memories over and over again. These are visual pictures? Yeah, visual pictures. Okay. Oh, good. <laughs> and we can sample the prototypical brain response to those pictures, Dr. Wimber explained. So this allowed the researchers to discover what was distinctive about the Monroe pattern compared to the Einstein one. Then, by triggering them both with the same unrelated word, e.g. sand, but only asking for one to be remembered they were able to watch, say, the Monroe trace persist while the Einstein withered and faded. Well, that just means someone's concentrating on one. It just means one jumped out to them more. But they asked them, I guess they're looking at the brain and they see like, okay, well, this, the Einstein picture triggers this bit of the brain uh, and the Marilyn Monroe picture triggers this bit of the brain so we right, can see which one's being thought of They're triggering more. them both with the word sand. So you're looking at a picture of Marilyn Monroe. It also has the word sand written on the picture. Yeah. Same thing with Einstein. And then someone says sand. Well, then you're just 
picking one to me that's the same as like a homonym or something you're just you're just like yeah i like tits more i'm just gonna think about that like that's just preference uh, that just shows preference I don't even get how they're doing that triggering exactly well they'll just say the word sand and then say asking for one to be remembered so they're saying sand and say also remember einstein that's uh, well they want you to remember both what well, no but they're asking they're only asking for one to be remembered it says, that by triggering them both at the same time, I mean, with the same unrelated word, for example, sand, but only asking for one to be remembered, they were able to watch, say, the Monroe Trace persist while the Einstein one faded. Okay. But I guess I don't get how they're asking you to remember. It sounds like these similar memories are Highlanders. There can yeah. be only one. There can be, there can be, yeah. be only, only one. one. How do you explain repressed memories, then? Yeah, how do you explain the fact that people, there are lots of things people want to forget, and they have no power to actively force themselves to forget them? Well, I, I know that's one of the things that... There are certain types of therapies, uh, particularly for things like post-traumatic stress. Yeah, EMDR, things like that. Yeah, where they... they wait, 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 what is that? I, I don't know what that is. Eye movement. We, we talked about it in our Matt Walker episode. It's the... Um, you, you're, a lot of your memories get sorted uh, during REM. So it's this thing while, while you're awake, it triggers REM. Your eyes are just rapidly moving back and forth. And you can go through a memory and it sorts it in its proper memory bank. Mm. It's a very popular uh, PTSD treatment. Yeah, so they actually sort of, because every time you remember something, it's actually rewriting over that story in your brain. Right. So they get them to actively, it sort of, it seems counterintuitive at first, because you kind of go, this was a traumatic experience for you, so the last thing you want to do is remember it. But actually, if you can go through it and relive it, but in a far less traumatic environment, in, in a, a safe therapy environment, room, yeah, yeah, you can actually slowly rewrite it in your brain to be something that's less traumatizing. Well, something that's, I mean, the, the which PTSD works is, uh, you're, you're, uh, it's like your sympathetic nervous system kicks in when something triggers your trauma. So even though logically, you know, that that's no longer happening, you're no longer in the jungle getting shot at by uh, Charlie, you know, um, that's my go-to PTSD example. Okay. Um, a little racist again, but yeah. how, I'm pretty sure Charlie is not a, uh, a, not an okay. Charlie, the VC. Okay, okay. Viet Cong. Fine. Charlie. Sure. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> yes. Um, so you've just you've just fought the battle of Hill Forty Nine, and then the VC is coming back in uh, through Lao on the Ho Chi Minh Trail, and various other things that uh, factually back up my use of the word Charlie. And uh, so then, so yeah, so that you you know that you're just sitting there in a movie theater, but you know you you heard a loud noise or something, and now your body thinks that is still happening, no matter what you throw at it logically. So things like EMDR just put it in its place, like hey, this is the past, because we've all had horrific shit happen, we've all seen awful things, and it doesn't necessarily make us flip out if we see a similar thing. Right. I'm always weirded out that repressed memories are never positive ever. It never comes out like, oh, yeah, I won that contest. That well, I'm just glad that EMDR isn't just using that music. <laughs> like, yeah, what is it? What house? is it? E- EDM. Yeah, EDM. EDM. Oh, that's what that. Okay, yeah. But you're like, never eating like a tuna sandwich and then remember you won a Grammy. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I don't oh, think there's fuck. a reason to suppress those memories, right? Or is, um, that, where, or is that where you're, you're talking suppose, about PTSD? Yeah. It's just weird like, that your brain. Yeah. I, I, but it I, is interesting to think that you can rewrite these memories like now, but. It's almost like you're layering in perspective to like a traumatic event from when you were a kid. Okay. So you, every time you remember it, it's like you're rewriting it kind of essentially. Well, you're just yeah. putting it where it should have been in the, in the get-go. Um, uh, the New York Times article on the same study I've just found has a slightly more 
detailed description of the experiment. So, it involved several stages with 24 participants first trained to associate words to two unrelated black and white pictures from lists of famous people, ordinary objects, or scenes. Say that all again. I missed it all. So first, first they train them to associate words to two different pictures. But the same word? Yeah, I guess. So sand is both uh, Marilyn Monroe and Einstein. Got it. Then they completed several tasks in a brain scanner. First, they were shown a keyword and asked to recall the image they had been trained to link to that word so that image would become a, the dominant memory. For consistency, they were asked to recall the first image they were trained on. Um, for example, if the word sand was associated first with Marilyn Monroe and then with a hat, mm-hmm. scientists wanted participants to indicate that they were recalling Mar- Monroe by pressing a button. Okay. Each keyword was sprinkled into the test four times so scientists could see if participants looking at the word sand increasingly chose Monroe over the competing memory of the hat. They did. That makes sense to me. So next, scientists wanted to see what happened to the hat memory. Did it stay intact? Did it stay as intact as Monroe, even though it was not being used? Or did it become weaker? So that's the answer to your question as to whether it was flagging up. To gauge this... Sorry. To gauge this, scientists showed people two different pictures of Monroe and two hat pictures, asking them which version they had been trained to recognize. If the hat memory had not degraded... Scientists reasoned people would pick the right hat as often they, as they picked the right Monroe. To measure success, scientists devised a standard how well people recall the correct picture of an unrelated famous person or object. These were images they'd been shown early in the st- study, but would have no reason to recall well because they'd not been cute to remember them. Uh, for faces, the standard was two Albert Einstein pictures, and people picked the right Monroe about as well as they picked the right Einstein. So the Einstein memory uh, didn't degrade in this thing. Well, that's because there's only... it's Okay, one of the photos is going to be his tongue-out bullshit, right, and then the other one's going to be a normal one. But I mean, it's, yeah. you know. For objects, a standard was two pictures of goggles. It turns out people are worse at picking the correct hat, but they remember the correct goggles better, even though their memory of the goggles had not been reinforced. So that's the... That's a caveat. See, th- this is... If Brooks were here, we would have had to stop this story 10 minutes ago. Well, it is boring as fuck. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to, I'm just no, it is. This is a very boring story. Because to me, this is a story that's, that's uh, obvious as shit. It's like you're, you are concentrating on a thing. It's like, hey, you associate the two words and then, hey, pick one. Okay, so you, you pick one. Uh, you're associating a word. Pick one. So Okay, so I'm going with Marilyn Monroe. Think about it again, and then when they say that again, it's like, well, yeah, you've already reinforced that in your own head. You're going to keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that. Th- that's the I same the, as the any that, memory work, anything. No, 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 but his, the, the control isn't that, is it better than it used to be? The control. The thing they're trying to figure out is, is the one that uh, was also told you, told you at the same time, yeah. is, it, is it actually actively getting worse than just a... Yeah, no, so here's, here's, here's what's key to the study. Um, so you've got four different things that you're trying to remember. You've got, um, and there's other things as well, but you've got four things that they're looking at. Uh-huh. There's the two Marilyn Monroe pictures. Got it. The two Einstein pictures. Yep. The two hat pictures and the two goggles pictures. Yep. And in the study, the word sand is associated with both Marilyn Monroe and the hat. Got it. And then other stuff is associated with Einstein and the goggles. And then... Pick a word, Matt. Come on. I, I, I can't do it. Bottle! Okay. Um, there you go. So... All the way. So then they make you go in a row. They make you go, uh, okay, 
Now when we say sand, I want you to think of Marilyn Monroe and only Marilyn Monroe. So you go sand, 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 Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. And then afterwards they test and see which memories have been fortified and which have been degraded. And the Einstein and the goggles have stayed the same. The Marilyn Monroe one has got better, but the hat one has got worse, and that's the key. So the hat hasn't stayed the same. You can no longer remember which of the two hats was the original one as well. Well, first of all, we haven't seen these fucking hats. They could be boring as shit. All the photos are black and white, okay? Now, I understand having the goggle thing, Einstein thing as control. I I get all that. Um, Here's my deal, is that, like, this to me seems like the most obvious... You're telling someone like, remember this, remember this, remember this, remember this. Now, remember the only the other bullshit thing you only saw once and we've told you to for, basically said forget about it. Yeah. So this is a short term memory test that to me, it's like, well, yeah, that's how the brain works. I, this isn't information. To but, me. but the key is that I've already even forgotten who fo- our guest is. <laughs> even though you're focusing on remembering the Marilyn Monroe, um, your memory of the goggles hasn't degraded, even though they're like, remember Marilyn Monroe, remember Marilyn Monroe. You can say it. the. Uh, the, your goggles memory has stayed as good as it was before. Only the hat memory is degraded, and that's because the hat was being written into the, exactly the same bit of the brain as Marilyn. I understand that. That's wasn't. what I just said. I don't. That's not information to me. It's like they said, "Yeah, here's two things. Pick one. We picked it for you. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it." And then later they're like, "Well, so what was the other thing?" It's like, "Yeah, dude. Of course." If somebody tells me a story and they're like, um, "And they're like, hey man, so I was walking down the street I had a red tie on." And um, anyway, then um, I saw this uh, this homeless guy trying to blow himself. So he's trying to blow himself, and there he is. He's got his legs flipped up over his head. This did not happen. He's (laughs) no, okay, it didn't happen. (laughs) But I'm saying no. So no, I was reading something else. Oh, you were you were tapped out. I was out for last. No, no. So this so this homeless guy's this homeless guy's no. It's okay. So this homeless guy's trying to blow himself. Um, Who was trying to blow himself, Ryan? Uh, the homeless guy. The homeless guy was trying to blow himself. The homeless guy. So there was a homeless guy. What was he doing, Matt? He was trying to blow himself. What color was my tie? Red. <laughs> okay, but you kept that shit in there. You kept that shit in there and you fucking know it because you knew what I was doing. That's my point. It's like, yeah, who gives I've a fuck? I've forgotten everything from the last five minutes. What does that mean about me? Yeah, it just means that like this study to me is like, yeah, that, of course it's how the brain works. If you're told to focus on one thing repeatedly and then they're like, oh, also remember that other minor thing from the start of the thing? Like, no, probably not. No. I wasn't focused on it. Why? Of course your brain throws that, as it should. My brain's going to sit there uh, taking up all this room thinking about hats? Fuck hats. But this is something that they first... Before the experiment started, they went like, what color was the tie? Red. What color was the tie? Red. What color was the tie? Red. Mm-hmm. And then they do the... And he was blowing himself, blowing himself, blowing himself. Blowing himself, blowing And you can no longer, at the end of that, remember the color of the tie. But you can remember other stuff from the other weird story that they told you two minutes earlier. Well, that's because they didn't do the same focus thing. It's it's word association. Yeah, so it's written into specifically the same... I think it is, like... I think the novelty of the finding is that the memory is actively being written over rather than degraded. Because they're looking at the brain scans and they're seeing exactly which bit of the brain is firing. And that's the important bit. That it's not just that a memory is degrading or being confused over time. It's being actively... It can you can rewrite new memories over the same bit of the brain if it's close to a, another detail. Sure. If it's in the same world. That's the finding. The finding here is that hats are boring. Yeah, I think it's the hats. and goggles are pretty cool though. Goggles are cool, like especially the snorkel kind, the ones that oh, are dude. like not those, not the individual eye goggle situation. Right, but like the flat top those things all the way are around. never dive worthy. You can never go out. You can never jump into a pool or an ocean or a lake, or depending on where I think you Andy are. Andy would disagree with you. 
Oh, you're saying the ones that are meant for scuba diving are bad for diving into water. Yeah, because you're not no, 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 no. I like those better because I can never get the regular goggles that Just you the, see yeah. people the individual eye goggles. like when I dive in, they flip up. Why is that? Uh, I don't know, but like this is the thing that no one wants to. It's sometimes sometimes the simplest device is the best one for the job. Like the higher tech the goggles are, the worse they are. The best goggles you can get are the Swedish goggles that cost like two dollars. That's what you'll see. Olympics. And those will stay they on when no, you dive they have in. No pads. They're just all plastic. Okay. They fit right around your eyeball, and they're just connected with a piece of string. You put them together yourself. Um, yeah, they're the best. It's like some some things don't have to be improved upon, such as razors. Which brings us to, uh, I want to remind everybody that we are sponsored by Western Razor, uh, which is the creation of friend of the show, great comedian, David Angelo. And it's just a simple all-metal safety razor. I've been enjoying can, shaving with it. You can buy one of this and then have it for years. There's no clubs to David join. invented these? There's no subscription. Yeah, it's, he started a... He's, by his own admission, the simplest of devices. He's like, this is a... I mean, he didn't invent the concept, but yeah. he got... he it, they. Here's what's happened. In the week since we first plugged this... I've been shaving with it. I've been enjoying it, but okay. I had to. The first time I shaved with it, I, I'm gonna be honest, it was shitty uh-huh. because I was shaving the way I used to shave with a, a cartridge razor, and oh. I was pressing far too hard. Oh, is that? I've always just gone short strokes with every kind of razor. Yeah, no. So I, I sort of press hard. I just, you know, the way they do in like in a Gillette ad where someone starts yeah, up yeah. by the ear and then basically ends yeah, up. Yeah, that's how you've always shaved. Oh, I've I always know, shaved. Like that's like, why I don't like, shave anymore. Really quickly, Whoa. and and I ended up with a sort of face burn a bit, and then I. So I did what you do in the modern era, because it's 2015, and I watched YouTube videos teaching me how to shave. Oh. Like, like the internet was my dad. And, uh, and uh, there's four. Like, people are really into, like, it's double-edged safety razors, or DE razors, as the web forums describe them. There, there's a whole community, and the trick is just you don't press at all. You let the weight of the weight razor do everything. Right, and the thing that he built is that it's very hefty. It's very heavy. It's, yeah. a very, it's a solid tool. If you're into like solid mechanics and just something that looks nice and feels nice in the hand, this is the way to go. Also, my favorite thing about it is I only shave once every week or so, and this thing has, uh, it's just, I don't know if it's just the fact that there's like a larger gap under the blade, but it never Yeah, they clogs. don't clog up. And if it does ever clog, you give it half a twist to loosen it, put it under the water so you don't have to tap it against like i've broken so many plastic razors tapping them against the side of the sink to get hair out and it doesn't even work this is just the perfect he was saying the shaving is a problem we solved 100 years ago now we're just mucking it up and trying to sell extra blades and do all this plastic shit you have to throw away that didn't happen what's that sorry i was just reading something in five minutes no, I'm sorry. Listen, I was reading something really good though. It was Andre Dubouchet taking down uh, taking down lip sync battles and all the bullshit that's in late night right now. It wasn't science related. It wasn't on the podcast. I'm sorry. Related? I'm sorry. No. I was following I just... that live the other night as it was happening. What oh happened? God, I love it. Well, let's, finish, let's finish talking about Western Razor real quick. Uh, so this okay, is a great Western razor. razor. You buy one of them. That's all you have to have. It comes with five just... blades, but then every blade you can order them on a nickel. They're like a nickel if you buy them in bulk. So like a year's worth of shaving will be like five bucks. There's no club to join. There's no plastic stuff. Uh, save your face. Save the planet. WesternRazor.com. Use the offer code science. Offer code science. And you get five bucks off. Science gets you five dollars off. WesternRazor.com. The best it's razor. It's a good razor. Um, so yeah, Andre Dubouchet. Uh, had this t- Twitter rant about all the bullshit going on in late night TV right now. What's um, the bullshit? He said, comedy in 2015 needs a serious motherfucking shakeup. No celebrities, no parodies, no pranks, no mashups or hashtag wars, and shove your lip syncing up your ass. Prom king comedy. That's what I call this shit. You let the popular kids appropriate the very art form that helped you deal. F minus. <laughs> and he's been tweeting about how to block hashtag wars from his feed. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. lip syncing. When did we decide that this is entertainment? Like, it's fucking nonsense. Lip syncing is not entertaining. I know, <laughs> but we've all written late night writing packets, and it's it's 
it comes down to the format they've already set up. Because when you write a late night packet, you know, to hopefully get staffed in one of these shows, they're like, and come up with five wacky desk pieces, for example. And then, and then you but it's like people are being told to be the whole thing's obsolete. They're like, think fun over funny. Like, no, no. How about thinking funny? How about funny? How about funny is the like, it's not going to go away. People love comedy. Yeah. Don't try to supplant it with. I think there's kind of space for one show on the air to be the. Like, because people like it. Like, I think. I but think there's also like a whole separate lip syncing show now. Yeah. Fuck is that. there? Yes. It's, oh, it's like everything you see on Facebook so is a clip what's going from. On but I think it's funny. Of, uh, as, uh, Anne Hathaway doing a like lip sync of crazy. Or well, she's intolerable anyway. But I mean, that's going to be a bad. I remember a, the hat over that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but then here's the thing. I think I think there's space for like. I don't think every late night show has to be someone being sardonic and wry and sort of doing doing that like i think there's space for one show to be like oh we're gonna be the one where you come on and you play wacky fun games and we dress up in costumes and knock about and that's what this show is but then fallon started to be a huge success and now every show has now gone like oh now every show has to be some weird variation of a game show yeah, from so the past like, with celebrity it's so just it celebrity like james corden shows it's a celebrity also, orgy like, and every other show oh, is, is now pushing that way and it's like yeah. we need everything needs to have a viral we need yeah. to have at least one viral video a week it's, where something where a celebrity is doing something nuts. We're in a horrible time for the internet and possibly culture in general. But then again, and I'm possibly an old man. and possibly comedy. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we've discussed how we're in the Nickelback after Nirvana. <laughs> have we? Wait, in what way? You and I discussed that. How? Well, you know, alt hack is a thing now. It's a. It's very. There's so many. Every show you go to, it's uh, the same touchstones, same touchstones of uh, over the shoulder fucking delivery. Right. The, Sassy as you please. Yeah. And this is, you know, the, the glove box where I keep my feelings because I was eating my shame. Yeah, take, like taking if, if sadness had a smell, it would be Phoenix or something. <laughs> right. Or taking something yeah. intangible and making it tangible. Yeah, yeah. It's all just the same fucking bullshit. Plug, chug, and it, plug and chug. Just go. Yeah. By it's, the pl- it's plug yeah. and chug. And, it, and it's well, I've got a theory. Every generation, there's two or three comics who ruin open mics by being good in a distinct way. Of course. And so, like, when I, came, when I started doing comedy in the UK, it, it was a mixture of... There was a mixture of terrible Bill Hicks and terrible Eddie Izzard. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. where they were both brilliant and original, and then this spawned a generation of abominable... Dude, I'm not talking cats. about starting out. I'm talking about Comedy Central specials. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's... All right, I get it. Cool. You know, uh, it's like, and it's not even, it's, it's hard to talk about without sounding like bitter. I know. Cause it's like, no, bitter and I, old, I got a touch. Yeah. It's, no, it's like, dude, I get where I'm at. I know why I'm there. Like I'm, I'm responsible for that. I'm saying, I'm just saying that like, I think that, uh, we're in another comedy boom. So like all comedy booms, like the one in the eighties, if you just think cliche eighties comic, it's blazers rolled up. So folks, what's the deal Skinny with tie, brick wall? And yeah. now it's, you know, now it's whatever this shit is. It's, <laughs> it's, you can already do an impression of it. It's, you know, that's it. So well, I think the beautiful thing about it all is that you can even, I think it's a luxury to even have this problem. Of in course. Comedy. And oh, complaining about your entertainment. No, no. I mean like, Absolutely. Well, well, I'm talking about more and more specifically, like it's a, it's a luxury for comedy to have this problem. Not even right. specifically us. The fact that it's popular enough to where this problem can occur, because it's always happened in every art form yeah. throughout the history of time, and it'll implode upon itself, and it'll rebuild and remanifest yeah. in some other, you know, fucking stupid phoenix 
sounding bird right in the future like oh like what's the deal with feed tubes right and pods you know or you know there'll be pod comedy in the future uh you know or anti-gravity your anti-gravity shows people sure but i mean it is ridiculous to think that you can do an impression of it already which is funny i've never even really thought of that but oh, andre seen... dubuche hit the nail on the head and it's just like i try not to engage in negativity online What's, he had to like but, apologize afterwards because he writes for Conan. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Why did I approach this as a fan instead of as a person who is employed in this industry? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. But it is. It's it's fun to think about, and it is difficult. The main reason I don't engage in negativity online, I try my damnedest to, is because you do. It just you just because well, you do I, sound I bitter. Facebook. But I fucking yeah. Quit I unfollowed everybody I on mean, Facebook, my, my, and it's changed my life. My 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 feelings about this though is that like. I sort of have two minds about it. Like as much as I complain about where it's at, I also it's my choice to not view it, which I sort of don't. So uh, escapism is always voluntary. No one's putting on a late night show in my living room at night when right. I'm trying to fucking eat. So then it's like, yeah, it sucks, but also like I'm not in Darfur right now, dude. So well, we're not, I'm you, just gonna you have to have that parallel, you know. But but entertainment. No, no, it's not about like some entitlement thing. I'm saying like entertainment owes you nothing. It owes you nothing. Right. It's just too bad we're in an era that doesn't prioritize that. Like, I think people forgot how much they like jokes. Like, I think right now it's not it's like in late night, uh, people are being actively told not to write funny as if that's going out of style. And I'm like, that's people don't realize that's never going to go out of style. Well, funny is a destination now. It's not uh, self. It's not just a buffet for the masses like you have to go to um, this week tonight. On HBO, you find jokes. You know what I mean. You you have to you have to seek it out more than you had to in the past because I think but you can seek it out much easier than you had to. Yeah, of course That's you true. can. Yeah, and, and also I think it'll it'll come back. It's like a, the reality TV boom, and then people are like, "Fuck, dude, scripted's better." Jesus, reality had a long. I mean, I don't want to wait fifteen years. You might have to, <laughs> but you know who that Kevin yeah. Kelly guy is. He did yeah. a great TED talk about evolution, and he talks about evolution always tends towards specialization. So, like, you know, you used to be able to just be famous. Now you're Twitter famous or YouTube famous right, or Vine right, famous. Right. So, like, even fame has evolved to become more specialized over the years. And I think late night television is no, you know, it's not outside of that that bubble. It also... It's just going to get more specialized. So, there's going to be more shows. And there's more shows now than there probably ever have been late night style. Yeah, uh, and, and that's kind of... I think I agree with you. And that's why, I, as much as I, I just had a quick look at his rant, I was like, ah, that's entertaining. But at the same time, if you don't like seeing Jimmy Fallon playing giant foosball with... You don't have to watch <laughs> yeah, yeah, then yeah. turn over to John Oliver or Larry Wilmore or whatever. Right. Like, because there are lots of people who do like that. Or try to Trojan horse that shit. Go try to try to get your late night set on Jimmy Fallon and watch the crowd that has been... <laughs> Trained to love foosball, stare at you <laughs> as you tell jokes about. I gotta space. say, I did stand up on his show. It was yeah, yeah, one of no. the best audiences I've ever. Yeah, he does. I'm not he, trying to say. He, I know, I know. Nobody's I know. saying that. I don't think anybody's saying that. But Fallon is a great. He's like the guy you'd love to host your party for you. Yeah, and that's, that's the what vibe he's, that he's. That's what he's got that show on the into. show. Yeah, so. Um, I'd love to do stand up on his show. We would all love to. I hope we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot. But I'm just saying it's a funny and accurate rant. Like I just like that he. 
Because I mean, lip syncing is inherently not funny or entertaining. That's just that's my that's my main point with all this. <laughs> lip syncing is the dumbest, no, lip syncing is the of worst of, 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 of entertainment. Well, okay. Well, then as you are denigrating that... every drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, well they sing. They sing. No, they... as as people, you're a transphobe, Andy Wood. <laughs> as people that have written on ridiculousness, as we have, <laughs> we all I would know... say ridiculousness is above. Well, we all know that. Lip-syncing. Okay, there there are uh, two types of videos on ridiculousness. Uh-huh. Okay, there's um, someone getting hurt. Or fucking up, failing in mm-hmm. some way, right? And then there's someone doing something that they shouldn't be doing. So it's like an old lady doing a strip tease. That's crazy. Why is this dog dog sitting like a man? What? <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like that's what it looks like a man, though. I mean, right? <laughs> and that's what it, it looks like a man. <laughs> well, and that's that's what the lip syncing is it's like. Ed Norton's not in Queen. Queen. <laughs> he's Ed Norton, but it looks like he's in Queen. <laughs> he's acting like he's in, but he's Edward Norton. Well, but, but it looks like he's singing it. I can't. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's of course it's my lowest. My brain's not ready for this. <laughs> of course it's lowest form, but. <laughs> I think we've got time for one last science story. Actually, I don't. You guys can keep going. I have a conference call in two minutes. Oh, really? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. All right. Can you keep going without me? I well, don't we, know. We can. I mean, you're running the desk. The The only thing I... I uh, do you want a very quick uh, battery-powered rocket or Which a one mesh that captures oil but lets water through? Both sent in by mics. Whichever we, one's under 60 seconds. Uh, all right. New Zealand's developing a battery-powered <laughs> rocket. That's pretty cool. And Ohio State University has developed a stainless steel mesh that lets water through, but not oil, which could be very useful for cleaning up oil spills. Also, uses nanotechnologies. uh, Ducks to wear sexy leggings (laughs) Uh, during those oil spills. You know what I mean? <laughs> we'll post links to Nice, both. sexy... Sex <laughs> up your BP. Your yeah, I'm, I'm sick of getting out there with my toothbrush and brushing yeah. off these fucking ducks every day. <laughs> <laughs> Throw them in a sexy mesh. Yeah. Give me a little extra motivation these to go are, see these ducks. Yeah, these are clubbing ducks. <laughs> these are like drag ducks. Yeah. You know, they got to get back to work. They've been, you know, you got to... You clean them up and put them back on the street. Yeah. But now they're all bill sinking. Duh. Mm, no, 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 no. <laughs> Ryan, where can our listeners find out more about you and your work? And they can yourself. find me at ryansingercomedy.com or uh, me and paranormalu.com. It's a, it's a mindcast I got. Oh, I interview people with paranormal abilities or experiences. We never even got into that. How did we not even go down? Oh, yeah, that, fucker. Yeah, that's um, bonus episode now. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, a fun, that's a fun program. So ryansingercomedy.com has all And your that. album is? I've got... Uh, Two albums, Comedy Wonder Towns, the last one, and uh, How to Get High Without Drugs was the first one. Get very funny comedian, get his stuff, and then nice. you're on Twitter at Ryan Singer. Rising, R Y S I N G, yeah. So nice. the first half of my two names. Rising, yeah. Check oh, him out. That's the sound of people expecting me to. How do I stop that noise? All um. right. <laughs> Any questions, comments, clarifications, as always, you can email us, probablyscience at gmail.com. You can tweet us at probablyscience. You can find us on Facebook as well. Send us stories you want to cover. Tell us what we got wrong. Send us money uh, at probablyscience.com. We hugely appreciate that. And uh, see us at Bridgetown. We're going to be at Bridgetown Comedy Festival. May 7th through 10th. Uh, check out bridgetowncomedy.com for details and Anyone get your passes now. in or near Portland, go and see us. We will be doing a live version of Probably Science there. In the meantime, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Ryan Singer, for coming to play yeah, with us thanks for having me he looks like a man yeah. he's not a queen <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's Ed Norton <laughs> alright I gotta go we'll see you next week bye bye bye